today. You need to pray for Wesley when he comes back. If he has this thousand-yard stare, it's because he's gone hunting with Tyler. I'm not quite sure what Wes and Laura were thinking when they said, yes, he can go. <laughs> He'll never be the same. That is... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Ephesians chapter 4. I don't know if I should admit this or not. I actually wrote this message last Sunday in church. So, Matt, I, I've been preaching through Ephesians on Wednesday night, and then I'm, I'm still in chapter 2 there, but... Then Matt, he, he was uh, preaching to the teens in Ephesians also, and he was in chapter 3, and well, then I just started reading on a little further, and, and um, it was actually kind of during Matt's preaching in Sunday school, and then the preacher's preaching in Sunday morning that when, when God gives you one, you just don't want to mess around and think, oh, I'll write it down later, and I'm sure everybody in church probably thought I was being rude because I, I write out everything handwritten, but I didn't have anything, so I learned how to use my notes on my cell phone, and so I was typing out my message on, on my phone, and so, but uh, you, you take it whenever God gives it to you, and there's been times at night, been laying there in bed, and and the uh, light comes on, and the, the pad comes out of the drawer and the pen, and I'm writing messages down, and you just, uh, whatever God does, and uh, want to, to be a blessing and, and preach what God uh, shows us that, that we need. And, and so this is going to go with the theme that we've been dealing with here lately about the battle of the mind and the battle for the mind. Uh, we, we need to understand that, that we, are, we are in a battle, and we're in that battle every day. And the, the song, the special that the Carnes just sang is a great reminder that when, when you are in a battle, there, there are days when you take ground and, and you have some great victories. There are other days when you spend the whole day in the foxhole, and, and you really don't gain anything, but you don't lose anything. And, and then... Sadly, there are times when you lose and you have to retreat, and, and, uh, but when you retreat, you don't quit. You just regather and then move forward again, and, and that is, that's a spiritual uh, principles that we have in our lives that uh, every day we need to deal with that, and, and we just can't let the mind get to the point where it defeats us and, and makes us think that that we, we cannot win the battle. Yes, we can. And we need to understand that, that God is there to help us. And, and he has, throughout the scriptures, he has given us uh, different patterns and different places where he's given us the pattern for what I call a stable thought life. You know, the, the one thing that I noticed, and I mentioned this already, but the, the vacation, it's whether... You're here or not, I, I can't turn that off, I told you that, but the one great thing that, that the vacation gave me was I just didn't have to make any decisions, not, not I mean, life-threatening decisions or dealing with, with the heaviness. My, 
heaviest thing was, do I want to eat catfish tonight or barbecue? You know, I mean, that was, uh, it was nice. It's refreshing, you know. Do, do I want to go out on the boat or do I just want to sit on the dock, you know? Or, uh, and, and I want you to know the hill that we, our house was on, we were in a nice cove. It was beautiful. Uh, but I, but the, the, the driveway would make you, you, you would, uh, I mean, it was steep. And you park your truck on that, and I'm really glad park works real well. But the first time I pulled in there, and it was pouring. I mean, pouring down rain. You couldn't hardly see. It was about 10 o'clock at night when we'd gotten there on, on uh, that Tuesday. And and uh, I had this 18-foot boat on behind me, and, and a little bitty drive. It's, it's just a little bitty road. It's made for one vehicle going in and out. That's it. And... I pull in, and I turn in our driveway, and it's straight down. I mean, it's like 45%. You know, I mean, it's like, and about about had an apoplexy then. And so I stop and put it in full drive low, and because it's pouring down rain, and then I creep down there and parked it, set the parking brake, hoping and praying that that works and that I wake up in the morning and my truck is still there. And... But it was, and and uh, but it was such a beautiful time. But the but the the greatest relaxing part was just being able to shut the mind off and not having to make the major decisions. And and really, I thought, well, you know what? The stupid truck is insured, and if it goes in the if it goes in the brink, then let it go, you know. And I'll wake up tomorrow, and it'll either be here or it won't. Get all your valuables out and uh, let it go, right? But uh, it was great, and, and uh, just the relaxing time of, of uh, not having to make any major decisions. Well, it helped me also to understand that every day we do. We just have to make a lot of decisions, and, and the, the heaviness of them. And, and some of them are, are obviously weightier than others, but, but it's just the day, every day is a day of making decisions and it really is a battle for the mind and we we want to have a a a stable thought life we want to have a biblical thought life we we want to have a biblical mindset on how to get through things every day because there are tremendously heavy things that are that are taking place well in ephesians 4 starting in verse 11 through 15 we have here the pattern for a stable thought life. And, and he's given us the answers for our mind's battles and, and, and a pattern for biblical thinking. And, and really, when, when, we can win, when, when we can win the mind over and win the battle of the mind, then you'll find that you can have some great victories in your life. And so there's going to be three points that uh, lay out the pattern uh, for, for a uh, stable thought life, and, and I pray that these can help you. First of all, in verse 11, we see that God has put people in our way to help us. And so people is the first one that, that we see. And in verse 11, now we, we understand in the context here, we get to verse 10, and, and we see here that Jesus has made the statement that he has ascended into heaven. And so Jesus is not here. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit indwells the life of every believer, so he doesn't leave us alone, and he doesn't leave us comfortless. We have 
The Holy Spirit of God, who's the third person of the Trinity, who guides us, leads us, and directs us. And, but Jesus himself has, has ascended into heaven, and part of the, the, the realization that you're not alone is that he's also put people in your way. And he's put people there that, that can help you to have a stable thought life. Well, first of all, he tells us, and he gave some apostles and some prophets. Now, it's interesting here that uh, you, we understand that these are what you would call foundational. These were foundational people that, that are no longer here, but they're a part of the very foundation of, of Christian uh, uh, faith and practice. And knowing also that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of them. In 1 Peter chapter 2, here it, it tells us uh, that, that Christ is that cornerstone. And, and in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 6, it tells us, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Now, those of you who know me well know that I'm, I'm not good at construction. I, I have no knowledge, don't care to know, don't want to know. Uh, that's why you call John Scudder. Let John build it, and, and I'll give the vision, and he can build it. And uh, there's guys that have the vision, there's guys that have the ability to make it happen, right? And, and so I'm not very good at that. However, I do know that, like, if you're to lay out a building or whatever, there, there has to be a place where you start. And so you start from that one cornerstone, and from that cornerstone, then you build from that, and then you know that everything will be squared. And somebody told me one time, there's, is it a three, four, five rule? Is that what it's called? Three feet one way, four feet one way, five feet the other way? Whatever. So if it has anything to do with, with algebra, forget it. I'm not going to do it. All right? I refuse to play that game. And so, but um, we know that from that you start. And, and I do remember when I helped with a pole barn one time where they drilled the hole and they put the pole in, a post in, and they, and they set that one and made that what they called the cornerstone. And then from there, because otherwise my building would probably be like this or, you know, it just wouldn't be square at all. But when you have that cornerstone, well, Christ is that cornerstone uh, of biblical faith. It, Christ is the cornerstone of biblical thinking. And, and so, and he tells us that here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and and uh, verse 6, wherefore is contained that I lay a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. You, you aren't going to be confused, you're not going to be ashamed, and you're not going to be led astray. And so whenever you're looking to Jesus, now who is Jesus? Well, we know who Jesus is, and he's the Jesus of the Bible. And if we're going to get to know Jesus, it's not going to come through dreams. It's not going to come through writing on the clouds. It's going to come through his word that tells us who he is and what he's about. And, and so when you do that, then you're not going to be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. He is precious, isn't he? He's our Savior. He's the one that, that has taken our sins upon himself and and he's the one that gives us eternal life when we put our faith and place our faith in him. But 
unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. There are those that rejected Jesus. There are those still today that reject Jesus. And they're not going to have the cornerstone of faith. And so they are not going to have the stability that believers have in trusting who Christ is. And actually, he becomes a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And, and so we need to understand that. Look, if you sign up and you, and you want to run the booth and, and be a part of the booth at, at, at the Oktoberfest, I think it's wonderful. But I also think you ought to be prepared. There may Somebody may come by who just doesn't like you, not because of who you are, but because of what you stand for. That's okay. It's still America. People have a right to think what they want. And, and, and we need to understand that there are those that, that are still blind. And, and don't take it personal. You just need to understand that they have, they have shutters over their eyes and they do not realize that we're not here to condemn. We are here to just tell them that Jesus is here to save you. And give you eternal life. And so don't be upset that if someone was to get a little ornery with you, it's okay. You, we're just here to serve the Lord and bring honor and glory to him. But, but here we see that God has placed in our life Jesus. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. Everything that we base our belief upon needs to come from Jesus. And it needs to come from what the Bible tells us about who Jesus is. And and so he's, this is one of those that he's the foundation. The other foundation that tells us that he's also given us some prophets. You go back and you look in, in uh, well, apostles. I'm sorry, first of all, and he gave some apostles. So he, who is it that gave us those? That's Jesus, right? Who did he give us? He gave us apostles. So we have Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. Go back to Acts chapter 1, if you would. And we'll learn something about an apostle. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 1, we know that, that they had uh, uh, lost one. And, and uh, we know that they wanted to fill that position. And so in Acts chapter 1, and verse 22, they had come to the point where they said, we need to bring someone else in to fill that position of the, 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 uh, the office of the apostle. And and so it tells us in verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained. It is necessary, they ought to be a witness with us of his resurrection. For someone to have been an apostle, they needed to be there during that time and see and understand the ministry of John the Baptist, and they needed to be an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why uh, you, you go to Ephesians now, go back to Ephesians and chapter 2 and look at verse 20. And it tells us that, that here the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And they are built. They have been built. It's what's called an aorist passive. It means something that took place in the past by someone. And who is it? But it's Jesus himself that has built the household of God 
And he's done it upon himself being the chief cornerstone and the apostles and the prophets and their teaching. But they're, they're no longer needed today. We don't need someone to speak extra prophecy today. We have, look, we have more than we can ever handle right here in the Word of God. We, we struggle. Look, God, God is a perfect God, and, and He tried to narrow things down, and, and so He just brought it down to Ten Commandments. You do these Ten Commandments, and you can be happy. We can't even do that. And so then what does he do further than that? He says, well, let's just make it simple. Let's bring it down to two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, and thy mind. What's the second one? Love thy neighbor as thyself. We can't even do that. God's brought it, simplified it down to just two, and we still struggle with, with those things uh, in our lives. We do not need people coming out and saying, Hey, I have an, uh, an extra word from God. No, you don't. You might have an extra word from someone, but it doesn't come from God because God has given us everything that we need right here in his word. Study his word. Listen to his word. Spend time in his word. Pray and ask God to give you wisdom. But it's the foundation of Jesus, the foundation of the apostles, the foundation of the prophets that we build upon. That's the foundation that we have. This has been written, this was penned by holy men of God that moved and they, as the Holy Spirit spake to them, spoke to them. And so it's the very word of God that we have. And so if we are going to win the battle for the mind, then we need to have a stable thought life and it needs to be a biblical thought life. And so he brings people into our lives. He brought Jesus. He brought the apostles. He brought the prophets. And, and he wrote the entire word of God for us today. And so we have that. But then we also have the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Those are what I call the framers. And so we have the foundation has been built upon that which was taught by Jesus. The apostles and the prophets have been taught. That's the, that's the whole foundation that we have. Now we build upon it. We can't continue to build the foundation. The foundation has been built. Now we need to build up. And so we frame out the building. And who is it that, that does that? Well, he says that he gave some evangelists. And so evangelists has the idea of someone who is the bringer of good tidings. He's someone that is a preacher of the gospel. Dwight Smith, many of you, most of you know Dwight. And, and uh, I, I know that... Dwight is getting ready to do a big tent meeting in, in Andover, Minnesota, I think is where it's at. Big city there. And so they're going to go in, set up a tent. And, and you guys that know Dwight, everywhere Dwight goes, he's handing out tracts. And he's asking people about their relationship with Jesus. And, and it's encouraging. And, it, and it's also uh, uh, one that, that um, he just encourages me to be more outspoken and while Dwight, whole life, you can see the calling of God's life, God's will on his life has been an evangelist. That's what he does. Goes all over the country, actually all over the world, spreading the gospel. That is his main focus is, is that. I told him, I said, Dwight, you're doing exactly what God called you to do. If you ever tried to pastor a church, you'd blow it up. <laughs> He's just not called to be that. 
But we see that that's what evangelists are, and, and they're a bringer of good tidings. God brings them into your life and to help you with your thinking. And, and I am so excited. I needed to say this earlier, but in November, we usually have our special meetings with Dwight and Paul. It's November 6th through the 9th. You need to write the dates down. You do not want to miss this year. <clears throat> None of it. November 6th is a Sunday. We'll do a Bring a Friend Sunday. We'll, we'll do what we usually do once a year. That will be our Mexican meal where everybody brings your favorite Mexican dish, whatever it is that you want to bring. Uh, that's what we do on that, that Sunday. It, it is a big day. Best, best meal and we had some really good meals at Platte Valley, but that is by far, hands down, the best meal that, that we serve at Platte Valley. And, and that's going to be on November 6th. But not only are we having Dwight and Paul, we're having Alton, Dan, Tommy, Mike, and Finley. I have a bunch of friends that I went to Bible college with 30 years ago, and they're all coming to preach. It's called the Platte Valley Wapapalooza. I, and and it, it is, it'll be fantastic. You don't want to miss it. And Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night will be great. We, we were going, I was going to have them preach, like do something for those guys Monday and, and Tuesday and Wednesday. I, we're hosting a fellowship on Tuesday, so I have a bunch of boring preachers here that morning. But Monday and Wednesday, I said, you know what? We're not going to do anything in the morning, but do things that we're going to do our best to get the law called on us. We're going to blow things up, Jordan. So just tell those guys to mind their own business, all right? So uh, <clears throat> it's going to be a great time. But, but God sends people. He sends evangelists. He sends pastors and teachers your way to help you with your thinking. And, and to help you with the battle of the mind. Now, I'm doing this, and yeah, they, these are great friends. They've been, uh, one, we've, we've been planning this for almost two years uh, to do this. We're hosting it this year, uh, and then supposedly they're going to host it, and I'll go there uh, next time, kind of a reunion type of thing. But some of the best preaching you're going to hear in, in all of America, people will say what they want, I do believe that. And godly men... All of these guys have been in the ministry 30 years or so and uh, have been faithful and honest and, and uh, good men. And God brings those kinds of people in your way to help you, not, not to upset you or to make you mad. Or look, if somebody makes you mad, if it's not because of their demeanor, but it's because of something biblical that they said, then before you get mad at the messenger, listen to the message and and make sure it's just not something that you need to be getting right in your life. And so confronting the things in your life. And, but here, the framers, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, and, and there is a grammatical rule that I uh, don't need to know all of that, but pastor and teacher is referring to the same person. The pastor ought to be a teacher. And, and, and here, the, the pastor, I, I love the word for pastor. Shepherd. You know, I, I had someone ask me one time, they said, uh, uh, what do you like to be called? Do you like to be called reverend? No, I don't like to be called reverend. Don't, don't call me reverend, okay? It just seems, I, I don't know, it kind of puts you at a place where I don't want to be, okay? 
I'm, I'm feet of clay, just like everybody else, struggle just like you, walk with you, uh, don't like that minister, don't mind pastor, love minister, you know what minister means? Serve, a servant, pastor means the shepherd, love that, Shannon, you can call me that, Pastor Monday, you can call me that, just don't call me late for supper, right? And so, but whatever, but but here, pastor and teacher, and the pastor is a shepherd, he he does shepherd the flock, and he's concerned, and and as it grows, I'm having to adapt to being able to reach out to more of you, and 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 uh, those are the things that that come with growth, and it's a struggle at times to be able to reach out to everyone that you want to, and sometimes you fail along the way, and and you know, I don't like to do that, but the the heart is there to shepherd the people, bring them, and feed them, and let them understand what the truth of God's word says, and. And a teacher is teaching the word of God. And the word teacher also comes with the idea of showing honor and respect. Guys, those of you who are uh, kids that are in school, I know many of them are upstairs, but our teens are in here. Look, you always need to show your teacher some honor and respect. Whether you think they deserve it or not, you still need to show honor and respect to your teachers. And now the teachers need to be honorable, and they need to be respectful, right? And they need to be respectable. And many of you are teachers, and I thank God for our teachers that are in here and the, the difference that you make in those kids' lives. But here we, we need to understand there also needs to be a respect for those who are pastors and teachers, those that dedicate their lives to serving God by serving you. And so... You put yourself in a vulnerable position at times, but that is what it is. And we do this not because of you and not for your praise, but because that is what God has called us to do. But there needs to be a show of honor and respect because of that. And so, but here, the pattern for a stable thought life, the people that God brings into your life. We have the foundation, we have the framers. But we also have the purpose for this in verses 12 and 13. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, sometimes as a pastor, you feel like, sometimes you just feel like you're a cheerleader. And sometimes that is what we need to be. We need to to, to cheer someone on. We want to see you uh, to be successful in your, in your daily walk with God. I could care less about whether you're successful in the business world to make tons and tons of money. Uh, that, that's a responsibility, okay? I'm not saying that I want you all to go broke, okay? I'm not saying that, but that's not... My concern isn't so much that, that you are successful in the world's eyes, but that you are successful in your walk with God. And that's what we need to be um, focused on is the, 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 the walk of faith that all of us need to have. And, and so he says he brings these people into our lives and, and for the purpose of perfecting the saints, to equip, to train, to bring you to a complete preparedness. You know, as I was, as I was um, writing some of this and then, uh, watching Matt and Kareth serve in their in their church, they they have they had almost sixty teenagers in their teen group 
uh, last Wednesday night that we were there. And, and many of them, they, bus, they bring in on a bus. And so parents have nothing to do with it. They just send their kids. And, and, and uh, man, I'm, and I'm grateful that they send them. I'm grateful they let them come, all right? But, but I also, I watch some of these kids, and, and you can't but help ask, and I'm sure those of you in society think the same thing, and teachers probably, what are we teaching our children at home, okay? As a mom and a dad, what are we teaching them? What, what if we never taught our kids how to do laundry? What if we never teach our kids how to pick up after themselves, what, what if we never teach our kids to take responsibility for their actions? What, what if we never teach our children to uh, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind? What if we never teach our children to love thy neighbor as thyself? What, what are we teaching our children, right? I, I, I mean, and, and there are many in society that, that have decided that that's a school's job, that's the computer's job. That's Walt Disney's job. That's, that's the, the game industry's job to raise our children because we're too busy doing our own thing. And we don't have time for our kids, okay? Now, I'm not saying any of us are doing that, but I'm saying it is definitely a fact and it's shown in our country, right? Well, what do we do if, as a pastor, if all I ever do is just cheerlead you on and and go, 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 but never give you anything that can help you in your daily walk. This is, this is why this came into a message. Because every day, you guys have to make life-changing decisions. You might not know that they are a life-changing decision when you're making it. And the results of that decision may not come about until 20 years later. And you, then you will see. Boy, it's a good thing I did what I did then. We were talking, we, we drove through uh, Plains, West Plains, Missouri, on our, on our way out to Alabama and on our way back. Anybody know where West Plains, Missouri is at? Southern part of the state, beautiful area. Back in 1980, Teresa's mom and dad put an offer on a house in West Plains, Missouri, and it fell through, and because of that, they said, well, you know what, let's go look in northern Missouri, and they ended up finding a farm right outside of Trenton, Missouri, and moved to Trenton, Missouri, and first day of eighth grade, I fell in love with this new girl who was in band playing the flute, sitting right in front of me, and what would have happened if they would have bought the house in West Plain, Missouri, and never moved to Trenton? It really kind of like, Lord, thank you. You know, I would still be single today. <laughs> or jail. <clears throat> but this is, what, this is what prompted this is I have a duty, an obligation as a pastor to help equip you to be able to make the right decision when that time comes. And, and to be able to wade through everything that the world throws at you, whether it be health issues, whether it be the loss of a, of a loved one, the, the decisions that you have to make 
Uh, so many of you are dealing with that today. And, you know, I, I, I leave on the, the, the day that Sharon passed away and went into glory. You know, praise the Lord that she's uh, now been with her Savior for several days, Verlin. And thank God for her faith and that decision she made because she heard someone tell her the truth and give her the gospel and years and years ago trusted Jesus as her Savior. And then you guys showed the evidence of born-again believers walking in faith and being obedient to God's word because you were equipped to handle that. That's what shows in my life what I need to be doing for every one of you. Preach and teach the word of God. It's not my advice that's going to help. It's not my word that will last for eternity. But God's word is all powerful. And it's God's word that we need to know, learn, and accept it, and trust it, and obey it, and know that through that, he will bring you around to where you need to be. He will equip you, train you, and be completely prepared. And if all we have are a bunch of shallow believers because the pastor only preaches shallow messages, then that's on me. And so we need to learn what God's Word says. And, and, and for that, for perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Look, it's not just for me to do the work of the ministry. It's for all of us to do the work of the ministry. And so there are, and, and you do. And I thank God for that, the volunteers that we have. I'm, we have almost 50 volunteers for QAM, and we can still use more. Look, if, if someone here... You think, man, I'm not any good with those kids on doing any of that, but I can sure drive. Hey, I'll give up my bus route anytime you can drive the van, okay? You can drive that. You can pick up kids, and you'll find that, that your eyes affect your heart. You start picking up those kids, and you get to know them, and, and you understand more of their life and more of what's going on, and really the bus driver sees that more than anybody else because it's the bus driver coming to the door talking to the parents, seeing where the kids are at, and you know better how to help them. And so you want to be involved, you can be involved. But in and, and, and other things, just the work of the ministry, the deeds and actions, and what does ministry mean? To serve. That's what this is all about. It's not about you just coming in here and being served. It's about you coming in here and serving others and helping others. It means going out into the community and, and serving others for the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ and serving and, and equipping us to be able to do those things. And then edifying, it, it says, for the edifying of the body of Christ, to build, to make one more able, more capable of doing. Years ago, I think one of the things that, that God will always do is that if you prepare yourself to be used by God, he will use you. Prepare yourself. Ask God to, to use you, but prepare yourself and, and equip yourself to handle more, more responsibility. The more responsibility you can handle, the more things that he will give to you if you're showing yourself to be faithful and honorable in what he gives you. And so we need to do that. And and we need to continue to, to be able. That's what we need to do. Learn more of the Word of God. Practice more of the Word of God. Be equipped to do the Word of God. And God will use you greater in, in building 
what he wants to build. That is what we're in this for. And, and if all of us will understand this in our thinking that, that it's far bigger than us, it's about God's will and God's purpose in our lives, then, then you can start understanding the mindset that we ought to have. Not the world's mindset, but a biblical mindset that God has you here for a purpose and a plan, and it's this plan that we need to be living out in our lives. And so we edify the body of Christ. And until when? Till we all come in the unity of the faith. I'm sure right now that we could sit down and there are different things in the scripture that we probably all disagree with or we've come to a different conclusion. However, I am certain that if we will stay in the word of God, stay listening to the power of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit and study and learn and understand what the Bible says, we will all come to the same position at some point in time if God allows us to live that long. I believe that. I believe that God will bring us into that unity of the faith making uh, and, and the unity a oneness and a harmony that only God can give of the faith. And the faith isn't just talking about the gospel. The faith is talking about the entire body of doctrine that we have, the entire word of God. I do believe that if we will allow God to do that, we'll all come to that same position and, and, and uh, understanding of the word of God. So why are there so many churches today? Because we haven't come to that unity. We need to quit paying attention to what all the, the other characters are saying and what books have been written and start spending a little more time in the great author and the perfect word and study what the perfect word of God says until we come into the unity of faith. And what else about that? But also says the knowledge of the Son of God, a complete knowledge of God. So, so here, under a complete knowledge of who Jesus is, unto a perfect man. Perfect means mature, faithful, honorable. You understand the word of God, and, and you walk along the power of the, the Holy Spirit in your obedience to what you know the word of God says, and knowing that unto the measure of the stature or the maturity of the fullness of Christ. That is the goal for all of us to be mature and full in our knowledge of who Jesus is and what the Word of God says. Now, I, I would say that none of us are completely there, but many are, are more, more mature than others, and that's okay. That's nothing to be ashamed of if you're not mature in your faith yet, but it would be a shame that if you stayed there. It would be kind of like some of you might tell me that if I was to come to you uh, privately and say, hey, do you know how to lead someone to Christ? Uh, through the word of God. You might be able to tell me, no, I don't, and I'm nervous about that. Well, let's cure that, okay? Let's fix that. Let, let's, let's move past that, and then let's move forward in our walk. And, and do you understand what, what the Bible says about being a good husband? No, I wasn't aware the Bible had anything to say about being a good husband. Well, it's right there. We'll show you. How about being a good wife? There it is. It shows you. How to raise your children, it shows you. How to handle your finances, it shows you. How, how to deal with uh, an ungodly boss, it shows you. Okay, I, I mean, it, it has all of that. And, and as we grow, we understand more of how to handle those things. And so here, 
God has placed people in our lives to help build our faith, and he's shown us the purpose of this in perfecting in the work of the ministry, edifying, unity, knowledge, and maturity. And then the last thing is the protection. Verses 14 and 15, here's the battle. It says that, for the purpose that, here's another purpose, that we, we as believers, henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro. You want a great illustration of what this has? Uh, I could bring up here a great big box of toys, okay? And we would have all the kids to come up and say, you have 15 seconds to pick a toy. Imagine the chaos because you ever watch the kid come up and try to pick something? They look at this, they look at that, and you're like, come on, you know? Make a decision, do something, you know? Pick a toy. Oh, but this one or this one or this one. It's kind of like candy too, right? You're better off just get all the same kind. Here it is. This is all you're going to get, okay? And, and, but otherwise, you have people that just can't make a decision, and, and they're tossed to and fro from this to that, and, and, and they can't decide what's good, what's right, what's bad, what's good, what, what's healthy, what, what is it that's going to be a help. And, and uh, he says that as you learn the Word of God, then you're not going to be easily swayed, and, and you're not going to come and go quickly and in your faith, and, and the challenges that are going to come, and the furnace of affliction that he will allow into your life, and he's going to show you through that furnace of affliction that he's going to show you a couple of things. He's going to show you the areas of your life, the, the areas of faith where you're weak, but he's also going to show you the areas of faith that you're strong. And you need to build the ones that are weak. And, and he's going to use that to help build your faith and, and bring you to that understanding. But you are not going to be easily swayed. And, and then it goes on. It says, not only tossed to and fro, but carried about with every wind of doctrine. What is it about wind? It just comes and goes, right? It's here, then it's gone. Well, there are... There are new fads all the time. Now, now, the one fad I think is pretty cool are the bell-bottoms. I want an orange bell-bottom suit. And then I want Wes to get a white one, and we'll be called the creamsicle. When I saw Debbie come forward and she had her little bell-bottom thing on, I thought, I want one. Now, we were at the Alabama game, and they had on those rompers. I, I don't want a romper. And Wes told me they actually make guy rompers. I, that's what's wrong with the world today. <laughs> it wasn't a godly man that figured out, let's build a romper for a guy. <laughs> Just so happens. But bell bottoms, I'm all about it. I, I think it's great. Man, I'm glad they're coming back. I'm going to get one. I'm going to find one. May have to have it made. Jolene, we're going to work on an orange bell-bottom suit, all right? So, <clears throat> creamy orange, you know, like creamsicle color. But there's always these fads in, in the teaching of the Word. There are fads that come and go. There are doctrines that people teach that are biblical that 
come and go like the wind, and, and they're not solid at all. And we need to get past the point of where we're carried off by those, but you, you hear somebody say something, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, now, I don't know if that, let's go back to the Word and what, what it is that we've been studying or what you've been reading in your devotions and, and, and find that there are things that just aren't true about it. And so you're no longer carried about with every wind of doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. By the slight of men, you think about the slight of men, think about a magician. You know, they, they make you think that they actually have extraordinary powers, but all it is is a sleight of hand, and, and they, they can do things that, that uh, you think are real and they're not, and uh, those kinds of things. Well, that's what he's talking about here. They disguise what they're teaching, and cunning craftiness, where, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. We, we, would be, we would be in a dangerous place if we think as we go through our lives that just because someone says that they're a teacher of the word that we believe them. Look, what was it a prophet that back in the day, how did they know that a prophet was true or false? By whether what he said came true or not, right? Well, today you have people say, uh, that they're a teacher of the word, well, let the word of God speak for itself. And are what they telling you the truth, or is it something that, that they have bent to their own conclusions or bent to their own uh, uh, way of thinking instead of letting the Scripture interpret the Scripture? And so let us be careful and let us no longer be children in our thinking. And let us not be naive in following all the deceivers that are out there but as a mature believer, but speaking the truth in love. This also has the idea, speak the truth and in love. So, two things, really. We need to speak the truth. Sometimes I catch myself speaking the truth, but not in love. I think there are times where there are times where you need to be bold and you need to be confrontational. There are times when you need to deal with the issue, and, and, and uh, we saw Paul do that often in Acts. We, there, there were times where he was patient. There were other times where he stopped what was going on and he confronted it. Same way in our lives. We know that. We understand that. But even in all of that, even when we confront, it still needs to be in love. It needs to be in humility needs to be in an understanding that only by the grace of God, there go I also. And let us be calmer and let us be loving in how we deal with the truth. Oh, I, I have many friends and I catch myself doing this so often that we speak the truth, but it's not in such loving favor and not in such loving fashion. And sometimes it's almost like if you're not hard and confronting it, then... You're, you're just you're not standing for the truth. Well, that's wrong. We can be be we can be kind in standing for the truth and speak the truth and love people. Best thing you can do is ask God, help me to love people like you love them. God loves them all. God loves all of those that even that we look at as completely evil, vile, and despicable. God still loves them. And he died for them. He went to the cross for them. 
He took their sins just like he took ours. They just haven't seen it and understood and called on him. Know how we ought to love them. And so speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Biblical thinking. Jesus thinking. Thinking like God. Loving like God. Being what God wants us to be. We want to battle, and we want to win this battle of the mind. Well, it needs to be through an obedience to the Word of God. Find what the Word of God says and apply it to your life and obey it and walk with Him and He will give you victory. We need to trust Him. We need to walk that way. and Let us win control over the battle of our mind and be what it is that God wants to use in us. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love, your mercy. I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all that he has done for us. I thank you for what he's doing for us today. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you will be searching the hearts this morning. And Father, if there are decisions to be made, that Lord today, right now, that they would make those. Whether they sit in their chair and deal with it, whether they uh, deal with it privately, whether they come forward and talk to someone and, and just work out the issues that they have, answer the questions they have, that, Lord, whatever, I pray, Father, that you will help us all to understand this battle and give us victory. Help us to have a biblical mindset with things that we're doing. Lord, we thank you and we love you. And we pray your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.